0: Welcome to the Planted Mindset podcast and this is episode three, what it takes to complete a marathon. Go check out my previous episode uh, where I've actually discussed my journey from 5k up to marathon distance. So that's all of the thought process, the actual doing, everything that it took to get to that distance. And this episode I'm going to be discussing what it was actually like not just in the race itself but also in the mindset to get to marathon distance is it something that you've ever dreamt of doing now i know there are so many people that have completed a marathon and not least one um i think i'm as i said before in my previous episode i live in a town of runners so it's not unusual to find that a lot of people here have completed not just one marathon but probably several marathons but equally so there's some of you that will have never ever dreamt of completing a marathon or perhaps it's on your bucket list of something you would like to do. How do you get to the process to be able to get to complete a marathon? Well I'm afraid there's no magic pill, silver bullet, anything. It really is down (laughs) to consistency. Simple things done consistently equal success. But how do you get from obviously say half marathon distance up to a marathon and for me that was a big eye-opener because i mentioned in my previous episode that i did have a lot of injury issues and blisters and i just thought it wasn't doable past a certain point of mileage for myself one thing i will say is that you do need to have really good footwear you need to have really good socks they are so important in a process obviously if you're going to go for that length of distance and you need to get comfortable in wearing them. Um, I think the trainers that I did both marathons in I'd done you know well over 500 miles in those trainers so uh, definitely well worn in but it really does start with the mindset first and foremost. You've got to have an idea that you actually want to do it. It's not one of those things that they say anyone can do um, a half marathon. And I think, you know, a lot of people could do that without any training. But really, a marathon, they they won't let you complete the uh, London Marathon unless you've actually got up to 18 miles. Because um, it can actually be quite serious. I mean, there have been some tragic... Um, you know, illnesses and even deaths, um, at these races and, and that can be from people that are fit and, and um, what they've felt felt was healthy. So it isn't to be taken lightly. Um, it is a big tax on the body, a big drain on the body. And you do have to put in the hours, the many hours, um, of training to be able to get yourself up to the distance. As my physio said, it's all about specificity, and he has run countless marathons. Um, so it's just building up the mileage safely and gently and listening to your body. But as I said, mindset first. So why do you want to do it? What's your reason? Your why's got to be big enough because you have to commit to a plan and you have to go out at least four, five, six times a week. Uh, doing varying uh, tempoed runs, so some of them are slow steady, some are at five k pace, some could be at ten k pace, hill hill runs um, and sprints. As I say in my last episode, I didn't do so many uh hill runs, but I certainly did commit to the plan and put in the miles. What was my reason? Why, as I said, it was a childhood dream I'd watched on the telly when it used to be the Flora London Marathon and seeing them all run around Cutty Sark and it just seemed uh, impossible. I didn't think it's something you'd ever be able to do. Um, but it's it's surprising. Once you start chipping away at the miles, it becomes less daunting. So if you think about it logically, it's four lots of 10k and a little bit more. And <laughs> um, When you know that you can do one 10k... You pretty much tell yourself, well, if I do a bit of training, I'll be able to do two. And when you've completed a half marathon, that gives you a lot of confidence then to think, well, I definitely could do three 10Ks. And as you progress with your training and you up the miles, the body gets acclimatized. It's really quite funny. I honestly felt that all my friends that were running for the marathon when I was only doing my half marathon, that they were just like robots. I I honestly couldn't understand how they did it. How did they manage to go further than I had without getting these injuries? But it's really weird. Specificity is key and the mindset. So I find running is absolutely fantastic to to clear the mind. um, But I also think it's great personally. I mean, it depends what you enjoy more, whether it's listening to music Obviously, don't put both headphones in because that's obviously dangerous. But having one headphone in under my hairband or my hat, I consumed a lot of content that was really, really useful to me, um, both for the job that I do as a personal trainer, but also because it was something that I was thoroughly interested in. I listened to multiple different podcasts and and Audible. I find Audible is an absolutely fantastic app. to to consume books, obviously via um, listening instead of obviously in the physical form. And I made sure that I chose specific podcasts and books that put my mindset in the right place from the get-go to know that I would be able to complete the marathon. And I envisaged what it would be like to cross the finish line. I envisaged what it would be like to hold the medal and I looked at my medal rack and saw the space where that medal would sit. And I thought that every day. I I didn't just think it. I felt it. And when you start using your mind to start thinking forward, as opposed to in the past, it doesn't actually know the difference. It really doesn't. If you can put the action and the energies behind it and every time I increased the mileage that reality was just more embedded in my mind Um, I think it's absolutely fascinating the power of the mind and what it's capable of but to keep it in perspective because it's not a walk in a park to run a marathon and there was no way that I was literally going to do the marathon and walk but having said that I knew that I had to respect that distance. 26.2 miles and don't forget that point2 is a long way. So I had three goals in mind. One was to finish it because you never know what's going to happen if you do actually get an injury on the day. Two was to complete the marathon in sub five hours and three to complete the marathon sub four and a half hours. And that was based pretty much on the the running times that I'd had in my previous half marathon. So I think I got the, the timings wrong on the last episode, but I'd done Cambridge in two hours and seven minutes and I completed the Olympic Park in two hours and four minutes. So I was incrementally increasing or decreasing, should I say, the time. And they say that you would normally take your half marathon time, double it, and add half an hour, and that would give you an idea of what marathon time you would expect to finish. So um, I I thought it was doable, uh, those three goals, providing everything went well, but I didn't want to walk. But there's one thing that you don't think about, and that actually really caused me a lot of um, anxiety towards the end, and that's actually wanting to go to the toilet. Um, you're running for hours. Um, <laughs> and if you've had children just just moving around you all you, women you're you'll completely understand what i'm talking about but when we done our bedford 20 um it was uh, on a um, a car racetrack and we had to run around as i said i can't remember it was four or five times but we had to run past portaloos every time and every time i saw them it just made me want to go a loo and i think we had to go <laughs> to three times and I thought, Well, this is this is gonna really ruin my chances of a good or what I thought would be great marathon time if I have to stop to go to the toilet. And you hear all these horror stories as well of big queues and let alone what it must be like to go into one of the Portaloos, good God. Um other people I spoke to said they nipped into pubs to go to the toilet and they, but I didn't want to stop. So that was a big concern of mine. Um And obviously, you don't want to not be taken on fluid uh, just so that you don't go to the toilet uh, because you get very dehydrated. But believe it or not, actually, on the day, I didn't need to go to the toilet. So I never had to stop and I never stopped running. And when I say run, I mean, I'm talking jog. I'm not running, at you know, an impeccable pace here. Obviously, you can tell from the finish time, but I didn't walk. And I I think that again is down to the mindset that you decide you're going to have when you take on the race. Um, so what I found really helped me was dumbing it down a little bit. So I started listening to endurance athletes' um, podcasts and books that were doing, uh, f- you know, a hundred kilometers, so or Ironman distances, and in different or more difficult terrain. Um, I listened to Brian and Keane. Um, his podcast is absolutely fantastic. And he's run uh, Marathon du Saab, and he's run through the Arctic. And listening to his journey made me understand that what I was you know, embarking on doing was a walk in the park in comparison, because you can get quite fearful of something. And I thought, well, he's put in six back to back marathons in the Sahara desert. I think I can do one marathon around London. And I think just keeping that level of perspective really helped with my mindset. Um, I'm listened to a lot of uh, great content, because you, you, you're you on your feet, you're out. And I found it was really um, enjoyable to get out, put my headphones on, and think, yeah, great, I've got an hour-twenties worth of podcasts to listen to, or I'm going to listen to an hour's worth of Audible. So I didn't actually find it a chore. I mean, a lot of the, the running I did do on my own um, in the week, but I ran with my friends as well because we were, were training and, and that was again was a fantastic opportunity <laughs> to put the worlds to right uh to rights and have a great chin wag and, and that literally wiles away the time. So a combination of all of that. Um I found the training okay. Um training through the winter is I think a lot better than the summer to be fair uh, yeah, it is very cold, uh, I do remember, like, training on one occasion, and I, d- oh, my fingers, they were just so cold, they actually hurt, and I was running with my friend Selena and I said, I-, I can't do anymore, I said, I, my fingers are just absolutely hurting, I'm gonna have to stop, but overall, the, the running through the winter, I think the, the weather was pretty kind, there were a few, uh, runs out do doing pouring rain but not too many um, and I no, no, there wasn't any snow was there so I think that that was a lot better but it's literally increasing that mileage each week um, following a plan you do need a plan and you need to be realistic of your fitness level to which plan you're going to follow it's all very well in your mind having one idea of what you're going to finish the race but your you've, your fitness level has to match that so um, not being um, someone that run a marathon before I do think I went for the begin. oh I did look at the beginner plan and, and I think my friend may have gone for intermediate so I think I, I looked between the two and because I initially had signed up for Brighton um, I actually adjusted that plan so I used that I wouldn't say I followed it completely religiously, but I certainly did follow 16 weeks worth of training. So that's four months worth of training. That's running four to five times a week, as well as doing all of the um, exercise in, in the gym that I was doing. So I would have said, yeah, I, I'd certainly put in enough, um, you know, to. Well, in actual fact, my <laughs> I had to see my physio uh, quite a lot um throughout the training um give a big share to jim because he was absolutely fantastic again not just from a point of view of giving me the confidence to believe that my body would um complete the distance but also because of his experience having run marathons and him you know giving that s- mental support of saying yes you can do it you're fine and it's easy well not saying it's easy but yeah you've got it you, you, you're there, you there you're you're increasing the mileage everything's going good um and he was really really helpful so i definitely had quite a few sessions because you will get lots of niggles um and possibly injuries as well um i did pick up something near the end of my run which i said on the other episode um and i found that my taper and that's basically when you've gone up to the full training distance and then you're backing back, so you're giving your your body the chance to rest so that it's primed um and recovered to to run the distance on the day so I think someone actually said to me somewhere along the line that actually the training is the marathon, and the actual marathon on the day is just the victory race, and I thought, yeah, that really makes sense because all the miles are done, you know, in the dark, in the cold, in the wet. Um, but then on the day, you've got that crowd to support you, to 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 lift you, and or <laughs> keep watching you, so you don't want to stop. Um, so yeah, it it's going to help you on the day, um, but only obviously if you've put the miles in. So unfortunately, I did pick up injuries towards the end, and and it is really really frustrating. And that's again where the mindset comes in because you get into a routine of knowing what you're gonna be doing each day of the week. And then when, when you can't because either you've got a cold, um, or obviously you've, you've hurt your leg, um, you have to stop and you've got to then focus that mindset on doing something else, uh, so maybe it's right, okay, I can't run, but I can still keep up my cardio, so I will go on a bike, but it doesn't feel the same, and you don't feel that you're advancing, and you have to keep a level perspective, otherwise it can run away with you, um, keeping that mindset in check, um, but I think towards the end, I and and, and I will say to be fair, I think one of the injuries I picked up uh, was actually from running on a treadmill. I wouldn't normally run anything further than 5k on a treadmill. So that you're talking about 30 minutes or under. Because it's uh, not a great plane for the body because the, the belt is moving and it's almost like your feet are being taken from underneath you. Now a lot of people, including my husband, will say, well, running is not good for you um, because it will wear out the joints. Um, and it's the constant pounding on the pavements and it's not ideal but again (laughs) I'm going to refer back to Jim my physio and he just said look we're designed to move and we are designed to run because we need to either uh, run after something that we want to kill (laughs) eat or as he said shag or we need to run away from that same thing that wants to do the same to us so it is quite a normal thing to do to run, but on a treadmill, it's a different—you know—the the mechanics are different. And I actually picked up a bit of a strain in my—I uh, think it was in my calf from running because I actually on one day, because I think the weather was shocking, ran eight miles, and I know the day where it happened, and then I had lots of problems after, and that was so frustrating because I'd go out to run. Get to a certain distance, think I'd because I'd I would have rested, stayed off my feet for a few days, go back to go and run, get to a certain distance, and no, the pain will be back. And and you're never sure then if you're gonna be able to complete the race. Now, you always have these ideas of times that you wanna finish, but every race is unique and the, the people are different, the place is different, and you just don't know how your body is gonna be on the day. So when I came into the taper, I thought, well, this is going to be the easiest bit. You know, I've got up to 22 miles. My body's going to rest and then I'm going to be fit to go for the the marathon. Nah, (laughs) unfortunately not. It's almost like the body understands that it's pulled back from the stress and strain and it literally smacks you with everything. So I just... I don't I, I I felt like I had more injuries in those three weeks or, or my body not feeling right than I ever had. And that again takes a massive toll on the mindset. Am I gonna be able to do it on the day? Am I gonna be able to complete it? Is my body gonna be okay? You you've got all of these questions and bear in mind my marathon journey started the three years before in my head. So it wasn't even just like, well, it was sixteen weeks ago and I started training. I'd built this up for three years and the thought of, well, in the end, it was like no, it's it, no matter what. If 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 I have to drag myself round, I'm I'm doing that marathon. Um But I remember on the night before the actual marathon, obviously you've got a carb load. You've got to make sure that you're getting your muscles fueled with glycogen because they're going to get depleted. And that's when they say that you can hit that runner's wall, you know, where your body's, th- the glycogen stores are down to zero. So there's a lot to take into account to make sure that you're hydrating correctly, that you're taking enough glucose to, to fuel you. Um, a lot of runners will use gels, which I was absolutely fine with for m- half marathon distance, but not after that. <laughs> go further than that and they can mess with your tummy so that's why you'll see a lot of runners laying out their kit the night before with a packet of Imodium and I just you know I just thought but I really don't want to be doing that either so it can be a little bit stressful to be honest but um, I and this is why you do a lot of the training runs so that you can adjust what you need to eat to see how you feel because I knew that taking gels past 13 miles really upset my tummy so I had to find something else that I could fuel myself with that would keep me going but also <laughs> stop me from having to stop to go to the toilet. Um, so I think I used uh glucose uh, tablets, dextrose tablets and and packed well, <laughs> I had um uh a waist belt, a flip belt and it was packed with with jelly babies, uh flapjacks, dextrose tablets, um, I think I even had a Soreen bar in there. I mean, it was like a whole packed lunch. <laughs> as one of my friends said, her mum said, well, what are you going to do to eat? It goes past lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So when you start running at nine, ten o'clock, everyone else off goes have their lunch. No, you, you sort of miss that one. So you, you've got to make sure that you've fuelled yourself adequately. But the night before the race, um, we watched uh, a run fat boy run with simon peg that's fantastic film hilarious and i f- i just felt i felt like him i actually was writhing around on the living room floor because my glute was absolutely killing me and i don't know why and uh, my husband said it's psychosomatic and i said yeah you're probably right but it still bloody hurts why why is it hurting me so much and it's so, uh, it get, <laughs> you get really stressed. Um, it's that build up. Uh, you don't sleep the night before, but then I typically not slept before a lot of some of the training runs and m- knew that I could still complete them. So that wasn't an issue for me, but, um, this glute pain was. Um, and then when you actually wake up on the day, it's a bit surreal. It really is a bit surreal. Um, you've built it up for so long and then it is finally happening have you remembered everything and, and and that's why it's really great to go and do these races with friends or or family but with someone cuz it takes that pressure you you don't need that extra worry and pressure of am i going to get to the place on time uh you know do i know where to go um and it just makes it a lot easier so we all went up on a coach which the uh, Bishop Stalford, uh Running Club had supplied, and it was quite funny because we we had a great time. You know, there there were people on the the coach that weren't actually running; they were supporting, but there were a lot, obviously, mostly runners on there. So we were all in the same boat. We all knew exactly how each other felt, and uh, <laughs> mm. I think one of the roads got shut or something, and the poor the poor coach driver had to do a detour you should have seen everyone's faces when we, when we realized that we weren't actually getting towards Greenwich we were driving away from it um and then when you think oh my god I've done all the training all the planning what happens if I don't get there <laughs> I think that guy was so stressed he must have felt the energy of all of us um but yeah he did he did manage to get us to to uh, Greenwich park up and uh Get us all in there, all on time and and in place. But yeah, that was that was quite funny. It's uh, it's <laughs> it is quite scary, really, when you think about it. Like you've done all that prep, and then you go and miss the start or something like that. Well, it's not funny at all. It would be awful. <laughs> but um, the London Marathon is is such an experience because you you get to go up. I think it's like a week to ten days before to go and collect your number from the expo. And again, I went with friends and what a fun time we had. It was hilarious. And I think you'll find on my Instagram, there's actually a picture of us all holding our numbers, laughing our heads off. It was just such a nice time. but in the weirdest sense, you know, that you know you haven't actually done the marathon yet. But that's where I actually bought my flip belt and, and they say, Don't ever change anything, keep your training runs the same, wear the same stuff, um, don't change anything. But I didn't, I, I wore the flip belt for the marathon and, and I I was it was absolutely fine. Um It was yeah. Loaded with all the goodies that I said, so but um yeah, you get there on the day and it's just a bit surreal. Cause you're in a big field basically, um, there were the screens were up so you could be watching, um, it was really because you got to see all of the, um, see professional runners first and the, the wheelchair, um, obviously on, on the big screen, um, cause there's there's more than one start. So it depends, depends what whether you've taken a charity place and you start with the red zone. Or whether you get a ballot place and I think I was in the I think it was either blue or green zone. So what you see on the TV is everyone's starting at the red zone, but what what it does is the the blue zone that starts at a different place and converges, I think it's at about mile six or seven, something like that. Um, and and then obviously it's collectively together. So. At that point you're you're with everyone, um, you're all getting nervous, but you're in good spirits and then you get to the point where you've got to go and split off to, to what your designated pen is and your start time as well. So you're you, you when you submit your ballot place or, or when you request to start, you're you give a time that you think you're gonna complete that in. So you need to then go into those pens for that specific time. So that's when you suddenly go from being surrounded by everyone your friends to then still being surrounded by lots of people but you're you're there on your own. But it's a great it's it's a great way to meet people. You you know everyone's in the same boat. I spoke to one lady she was from Scotland and I spoke to a guy who was from Germany and yeah, it's it's, it's great. It's great to talk to people, to meet other people and um hear their story and their reason why. So um, I remember being in the pen, getting really anxious and then it's almost underwhelming when you start because w well what do you do? You just put one foot in front of the other and you just keep on going until you cross the finish line and that pretty much is it. So some people will say, Well, running's really easy. There isn't like a strategy, a thought process, but but it's endurance. So it is it is because your mind can play tricks on you. Um and And you can certainly not feel well throughout you know you can get dizzy, you know I mean you'll see lots of people pulling up with cramp and you know there is a lot to contend with and and you do have a strategy of of timings if you want to complete the marathon at a certain time, then you have to break it down to what pace you're gonna complete every mile at um so I had these like paper wristbands, and I had. I think it was, I think I had about two or three of them on. So it was like my, my worst time, my, my medium, my medium time or my best time. And I was looking to try to stick within those. So ultimately, obviously, achieve that goal of, um, completing it first, but sub five or sub four and a half. But on the actual race itself, um, London, it's, it's the, the I, you know, I'm, I think obviously m- a lot of people would say it's the biggest and the best. Um, I think obviously there's some close seconds with with New York and Boston. I think Berlin apparently is a very good one for a fast time because it's nice and flat. But everyone wants to know that they've done the London Marathon. You know, it is it is iconic and it, it brings in people from all over the world. Um, and to be actually running on the day, it's just a little bit surreal, really. And so many people shouting out, um, giving support, which is fantastic. Funny enough, I, I didn't have so many people shout out my name this time because no one knew my, the charity that I was running for. Uh, please take me there. I mean, I was the only one running for that charity. Um, whereas, you know, my friend was running for Great Ormond Street. Uh, friends were running for Cancer, Edie's Butterfly Appeal, some were running for the Dementia UK, you know, and there's a massive amount of support out there for those charities. But yeah, I was literally running for Please Take Me There. Um, but it is a fantastic feeling. And I have to say, I did actually feel quite comfortable. Uh, my pace was okay. Uh, I remember getting round to about mile nine feeling good. And my family and friends were there to support me at mile nine. And it was lovely to see them all. Uh, Then running around Cutty Sark, I still felt good. I remember getting to sort of the 12 uh, 12 mile mark. I think it was before uh, uh, Tower Bridge. But I remember running over Tower Bridge and thinking, wow, this is amazing. Uh, Still felt all right. Pretty much all the way through, got to the half marathon mark, felt good. I'm not gonna lie it does hurt um but i felt okay and my friend that i've been training with she was she'd started on the red start for great ormond street she said oh, wouldn't it be great if we actually met up and you think well there's that many people that's not an impossible but it's really surprising because it was at mile i think 14 I heard her shout out my name. <laughs> Could you believe it? And yeah, we end up running together from about mile fourteen to about twenty. Um, and I mean, she, she was a trooper that day because she'd, she'd had, uh, problems with her tooth. So she wasn't fully fit. Um, but she still smashed it out of the park to, to run that marathon. But I don't think she enjoyed it as much as she. Had hoped she had, and that could have been down to to the tooth. Um, But we, so it was a good, it was good to support one another because we, that was the part when we ran round Canary Wharf. And it, I don't know why, the, the clouds, it got darker, it, it, it seemed quite grim at that point. That six, that 14 to 20, that middle zone, I, I found was quite hard. So it was wonderful that we actually ran that together. And then I, I went on a little bit uh, from mile 20 onwards. Um, but then that's still like another 10K to do. And at that point, your body is hurting. I'm not going to lie. It is hurting. But again, another d- you know, quote I think that Brian Keane had said, you know, you just got to embrace the pain because it's temporary. And and that resonated in my ears as I was running. Um I did see family at about 20 miles or 22 miles, 23 miles. Managed to give my son a hug and high five. Um, and that really does give you a, a massive boost. Um, but what I didn't understand was that they, they draw a blue line through the whole course that, that maps out the 26.2 miles. But if you don't actually stick to that blue line, you could end up running 28 miles. And I was like, Really? Um, so I made sure I did stick as close as I could to that, apart from when it went under where the water <laughs> stations were. Uh, but there are other things you've got to take into account, which is really that uh, you, you're not expecting if you've not done a race like this before, but the floor gets incredibly sticky, um, near all the water stations for like all the LucasAid and, and that's really horrible. And people just cut straight past you. So you've got to be really, really focused of where you're running um, to not have you. I had my legs sort of clipped a couple of times. That you could end up going flying. So I quickly realised that I had my water on board. So I was going to keep as far away from the water stations as possible to, to negate anyone trying to run past me. But equally so, you'll have people walking very early on in the race. And I was told again, don't don't try and weave in and out because you'll waste energy. But you have to. You have to, because people are. Uh, some people are walking. You'll you'll find it bottlenecks at times, and then there's space. Um, yeah, there's there's quite a lot to take on board when you actually do it. But um I just made sure that I kept putting one foot in front of the other, and did that until the end. And uh, you see some fantastic outfits, um, and it's it's such a nice atmosphere to be part of to know that i did the the 2019 london marathon i you know i'll never forget that but i do remember coming around the corner so one one friend said to me like when you see big ben you know you've you, you're nearly done and um i remember seeing big ben completely missed the london oh, i didn't even didn't even clock that um but came round obviously into horse Parade. parades so you're then running down the mall and I saw these two ambulance guys. They were tandem with uh, like a made up car on their shoulders, like obviously made from foam or something. And I was like, i oh, high five to you guys. That's absolutely amazing. And then I thought, but I better speed up because I can't be done by these guys. <laughs> so when you when you come in that final straight running down the mall, it's quite amazing. It really is something else. Uh, they've got the screens up. And that's when I saw, uh, it was uh, Chris Evans on the uh, big screen talking to the, uh, I think it must have been BBC, about the race. And I thought, oh wow, you can even watch telly as you're coming in. And uh, yeah, I crossed the line and then that was it. I, I remember dropping my glove on the floor and couldn't pick it up. I think one of the stewards had to pick it up for me. But as they sort of filter you through, there he was chris evans was standing there and he just literally finished talking to this reporter so i just said right i just went up to him just said uh hi um you don't know me my uh, but i'm natasha evans not your wife obviously but could i have a picture please (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he said yeah sure um and yeah so i had a picture done with him i hadn't even picked up my middle at that point um i thought god he's a lot taller than i thought actually to be fair (laughs) So I had a picture and then you sort of get ferried through. And I thought, I'm still in one piece. This is pretty good. But then what happens is that you've got to make your way to a meeting point to, to meet your family. And that's when it got, um, well, I got lost and I found myself walking round and round in circles, I think. I think I probably did about another three miles after the race. But that's when I started to get a bit stiff. And uh, I remember having to walk up one big um, sort of, uh, stairs i can't remember where the place was and bumped into one of my friends and she was walking the other way <laughs> we both looking like a pair of geriatrics because <laughs> mm-hmm. you really are seasoned up at that point and it in your body does hurt but i did eventually find my family because they you you've got different stops where you can meet like i think it's uh, alphabetical or i can't remember how it worked but we right we meet at one and uh, i met them and yeah was it was just it was just amazing but i d- my body did feel sore i'm not going to lie it did feel very sore um but we d- i didn't have to go have to go far uh, cuz lucky enough we were staying at um family up in um in london so I'd had a bad pact that I knew that I could go back there, um, have a nice bath, and rest those muscles, and get some food, and then be driven home that night. So I didn't have to worry about, or I had to get the the train to the place, but I didn't have to worry about getting a train home. Lucky enough, my husband was driving me home. So yeah, I completed it, um, medal in hand, felt absolutely euphoric, and I felt pretty good actually. To be fair, I felt pretty good. Um, And it was just such a wonderful feeling. And then to know that I'd done it, I'd actually completed it. And guess what? In four hours and 28 minutes. So I smashed the goals that I'd wanted to. So I felt immensely proud. But (laughs) it doesn't rest there, though. And I'm not going to go into too much detail with the other one. But I had another marathon booked for eight days later. So this was obviously on the Sunday. And I had Milton Keynes Marathon booked for the following Monday, the bank holiday, again with my friend. So she had booked that one up uh, prior to getting a place at London and decided that she was going to keep it and run with another friend that was training. I'd given up my Brighton place before and I think it had irked me a bit. So I was like, no, we're, I'm going to do Milton Keynes as well. And m- if I see you, we'll run together. If not, obviously you, you'll run with your friend. But I had to figure out a way that I could get to Milton Keynes and perhaps my family would support me because uh, it was near my son's birthday. So we booked up to do um, an indoor skydive, the iFly. And I thought, yes, yeah, right. I'll just run a marathon. They can go shopping. And then when we are finished, I'll do the indoor skydive and then we'll, we'll come home. Obviously, I hadn't given it too much thought, but... <laughs> Between the London Marathon and Milton Keynes, I worked non-stop. So I was working seven days and I think that actually probably was uh, a godsend and really helped me not actually uh, taking a foot off the gas. So I worked seven days. I worked in the gym on the Sunday night, didn't finish my shift until gone 10. So by the time I got home to bed, you know, 11, half 11, to be up at 5 o'clock to go and run another marathon. This was on the bank holiday Monday, The f- eight days later. And I must admit, when we were driving there, my husband said, right, OK, from home to here, now that's a marathon. And I thought, jeez, we've been in the car ages. Really? i I don't think I'd absolutely properly thought about it. My body was still sore. I'd picked up a blister. From London, um, on my second from little toe, and it had started to go, but it had flared up. So it was a big bubble blister, and I, and I had I strapped my ankle up, my legs, um, strapped my toe. Uh, yeah, I was I was completely strapped up. I just thought, really, what what am I doing? Why have I done this? Anyway, um, it's not as well uh, attended as London. Obviously, completely different. Um, but. I started Milton Keynes, and what do you do? You just put one foot in front of the other, and um, I was doing well up until about half marathon. I was still on a good pace, same as London, but once I started hitting mile 14, 15, 16, my body was saying, I've had enough, I've had enough, there's nothing here. I was starting to get shooting pains in the side of my knee, because there was a lot of uh, cycle paths you had to run up and down, and uh yeah, it was just painful. It was really, really painful. Um, so I thought, right, look, at the end of the day, I just need to finish this one. So there weren't as many toilets as, as London, but I remember it must have been about mile eighteen. I saw someone had just darted out the toilet. I thought, right, I'm gonna go to the loo. I'm gonna go to the loo. I'll do that. And I tell you what, <laughs> you don't wanna stop. You really don't, 'cause it just feels like everything seizes up and uh, it's so tough then to start running again um, but I did I carried on running but then those sort of underpasses overpasses every time I tried to run up them towards the end it was like someone has shot me in the knee I just was uh, I I had nothing left it it was it and that's when it was all mental I just had to dig deep in the mindset and say, just keep putting one foot in front of the other, Tasha. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. It will be over <laughs> eventually. You will finish this. Just keep going. And you can almost have a little bit of a uh, argument or a battle with yourself um, when you're running for that length of time. I think you can almost get delirious. But um, the finish was great because it was in the Milton Keynes football stadium. So you sort of run in and then you run around the, tr- the actual football stadium. So as I, I started running into town, a family were there running alongside me and I just, I was just knackered. And I was going, you're not smiling much. Well, no, I was knackered. I was absolutely knackered. Um, and I ran around that football pitch and I was just so pleased to see that finish line. Oh, my good God. My body felt broken. It honestly felt broken. Um I felt so stiff and so sore. My foot hurt, my knee hurt, oh jeez. But guess what? I I was only ten minutes slower. I completed it in four hours and thirty-eight minutes and I'd done something I never would have dreamt. Not only had I completed one marathon, I completed two in eight days and I felt immensely proud. Um so I managed to catch up with my friend and we had a picture taken and then uh, we quickly shot off to go and do the eye fly, and I walked in there like a, what felt like an 84 year old, or a 94 year old, and it was one of the best things that I could have done, the eye fly is absolutely fantastic, because it just loosened me up, and I came out there feeling pretty good, all the muscles got loosened by going up, and I also went right up to the top, it's a bit like a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know when he drinks and goes right up to the top and has to burp and come back down well you get spun around and you can go right up to the top but I felt almost invincible it was just euphoric and uh, it certainly helped my muscles um, undoubtedly doing that and then it was just like well let's get in the car and drive home and that's that (laughs) I'd done it two marathons within eight days I did feel sore the next day um, as I had on the London but not too bad probably a couple of days later and again i think i was back to normal i mean it's very much restless legs that night and and aching and sore but you know two or three days and uh felt back to normal um and knew that i'd completed the goal so what do i what what can i teach you from this what can i sort of impart if you want to do something set yourself a goal Put in the place that the, the the steps necessary to complete that goal, and believe that you can, and with that, pretty much almost anything is possible. So I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, if you've got any questions about marathons, fitness training, uh, nutrition, or mindset, then you can find me on www.nbefit.co.uk. The Planted Mindset podcast is on Instagram as that and I'm also on Instagram as NBE Fit PT. So you can find me on Facebook as well on NBE Fit. But if you like the podcast, please subscribe, share and give it a review uh, because obviously then if it resonates with someone else, it can help grow the channel and then I can bring on more guests obviously to speak about mindset nutrition and obviously being plant-based but until then thanks for listening catch you in the next episode